let's start by looking at the passage. I'm just going to read it. If you want to follow it, we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 to 19. It's quite long, but I think it's worth reading all the way through as we start. So 1 Corinthians 14, starting at verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers, I come to you and speak in tongues. If I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the flute or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and he is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in the gifts that build up the church. For this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful, so what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. If you are praising God with your spirit, how can one who finds himself among those who do not understand say amen to your thanksgiving, since he does not know what you are saying? You may be giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. There we go. Quite a long passage. And in a sense, it's quite clear. I could just sit down now. (laughs) That's the message. But um, let's just ask the Lord to speak to us and, and open us up to us today. So, Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit here this morning. And Lord, as we delve into this passage, we pray that you would open our hearts to receive all that you have for us today. We pray for fresh revelation from you to our hearts and our minds in Jesus' name. Amen. So yeah, long passage, and it, it, this obviously follows on from last week, and, and also chapter 12. In chapter 12, Paul names the various spiritual gifts. He talks about gifts of wisdom, of knowledge, of faith, of healing, of miraculous powers, of prophecy, of administration, of the discernment of spirits. 
tongues and interpretation. And at the end of chapter 12, at the end of chapter 12 in verse 31, he says, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And then we've got chapter 13, which David preached so beautifully on last week about love, about love being the foundation for all of this. Without love at the core, all the rest of it is a little bit meaningless. But it's when we, when we look at this phrase, eagerly desiring, that's quite an interesting phrase. And it's, it's in chapter 14 that we've just read that Paul starts to unpack what he means by eagerly desiring. In some translations, that word eagerly is translated as earnestly. It's a, it's a really strong word. If you earnestly want something, if you earnestly, eagerly go after something, it, it, it's meaning that you're, you're being very intentional. Paul's asking us to be very intentional about what we do. And then that word desire, it's a, it's a heart word, isn't it? Not a head word. You desire something with your heart. And so what we're looking at this morning is, is why. Why are we to eagerly desire, in particular, the gift of prophecy? And why does Paul make this comparison with the gift of tongues? Now, in all my years in church life, there, there's always been, in some instances, a little bit of controversy around tongues. But actually, it, we make it more complicated than it needs to be. But I want to start by talking about what prophecy is. Hopefully, we all know what prophecy is. But it might even be helpful to say what it isn't. Prophecy is not defined as predicting the future, which I think is a, a common misconception. Yes, sometimes prophecy might foretell future events and give insight into them, but more often than not, that kind of prophecy gives us a warning out of love for the body of Christ and a desire for restoration. It's often a call back into the center of the will of God. Prophecy is, is often a proclamation. It, it's more of a, a forth-telling of God's truth into a specific context, calling the people of God to walk in their God-given design and destiny. In other words, calling God's people to, to live from a different place, to live from a place of obedience and surrender, a place of putting God right at the center. Prophecy speaks to restoration, actually. Um, and here at St. Leonard's, we are called to be a prophetic people. We're defined by being a prophetic people. It's part of our original design as a church fellowship. In the, in the Old Testament, pre-Pentecost, when the presence of the Spirit came on somebody, it was evidenced pretty much every time by them prophesying. It's really interesting as you look through some of the Old Testament accounts. In other words, prophecy was a sign of the fullness of the Spirit of God. I love that. And most importantly, it was for the benefit of the whole body. When people prophesied, it wasn't for themselves. It was for the body. So I would say to you that actually prophets are kingdom pioneers. And prophecy builds up the whole church. That's why it's important. If you hear nothing else today, hear that. Prophecy is for the benefit of the whole fellowship, the whole body. Let's, let's compare that with tongues. In, in verse 2 of the passage I've just read, 
Paul tells us that tongues speak directly to God. And, and they can be part of our worship to the Lord. But they're not intelligible to the listener as a rule. Yeah? Do we agree with that? The person speaking in tongues is edified. That's what verse 4 says. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Tongues are good. Absolutely they're good. And, and Paul says he would love for, for everyone to speak in tongues. He's not being negative about them at all. He's simply demonstrating their, their limitation in a corporate setting when compared to prophecy. He is in no way saying prophecy good, tongues bad. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I find praying in tongues incredibly helpful sometimes. Especially if I can't, I can't find English words to express what's in my heart. And I'm sure a lot of you would, would identify with that. And in that context, praying in tongues is a really personal thing, isn't it? It's between us and the Lord. And I find myself speaking in tongues when I'm worshipping, when my spirit is praising God. But I understand what Paul says when he said that's not a thing of the mind. It's not cerebral. It's very much spirit to spirit. And there's something extraordinarily beautiful and moving when the whole congregation starts to spontaneously sing in tongues. We've experienced that many, many times here, haven't we? And it's beautiful. And that's when we're communicating with God, as I say, spirit to spirit. But then if someone speaks in tongues, look at verse 13. Paul says, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. A spoken tongue in corporate worship can be hugely beneficial, especially when there's an interpretation. It's a very beautiful thing. And some of you may have heard both either Laurie or I tell this story in the past, but I, I think it's worth saying again because it's such a beautiful story. Um, oh, many years ago now, some, some good friends of ours had been working in Uganda, working and serving the Lord in Uganda. And they'd been through a really tough time and they were feeling discouraged, they were feeling miserable and downhearted. And um, they went to a service and during the service someone prayed this beautiful prayer in perfect English which lifted them. It was the Lord just speaking to them. And they came out of the service in a different place because it was so personal. And they went to find the person who'd prayed this prayer because they wanted to say, you prayed that for us. And when they found the person, they didn't speak a word of English. So their tongue was actually English, and it was un as unintelligible to them as perhaps when we hear someone praying in tongues now. But our friends basically had the interpretation, which I think is absolutely beautiful. But again, it was personal to them. It wasn't for the whole gathered body in that place. Paul says in verse 18, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues. He actually says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. He's really happy about it. He doesn't diminish the gift. And he points to their enormous value for personal prayer. And he recommends praying for interpretation in public worship so that no one is left confused or struggling. Because there's nothing worse than that, is there? If you come to a service and you've got no idea what's going on, or it's in a foreign language. It's, it's for the benefit of the body, there needs to be 
and interpretation if there is a spoken tongue in public worship. But then he also says, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Again, it's a, it's a strong comparison, but it comes back to the fact that prophecy blesses the whole body, not just one or two. If we go back to the end of verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. When I was thinking about this, I was really, really challenged by some teaching that um, I heard a little while ago. And I think as, as 21st century Christians, we are brought up to see ourselves, yes, as a child of God when we're Christians, but as an individual first and a member of the church second. Our whole culture has become incredibly individualistic, and I think that's been happening for the last few decades. I think there's all sorts of reasons for that, but, but that is the Western mindset, that our individuality is to be highly prized. It's the most important thing. And we're happy to, to kind of see ourselves as part of a community when it suits us, when we agree with what's going on, when we want to join in. But actually, if we don't want to join in, if we'd rather, I don't know, if we'd rather stay at home and watch a film than come to the evening service or whatever else, that's fine because we kind of go, that's okay, I've got that choice, individual first, body second. But what I, what I really believe is that that is, is kind of opposite to the biblical mindset. I think that God sees us as part of the body first, part of the team, and that being an individual is secondary to that, only slightly secondary. We are all unique, we are all individuals, but actually our primary calling is to the body of Christ and not primarily to ourselves as an individual. Does that make sense? And we're called to walk as part of the body. What we do, and I think this is where we forget sometimes what we do as an individual actually impacts the whole body in, in the church. God wants us to be completely wholehearted, and that looks like willingly taking our place amongst his people. We, we will enter our inheritance as individuals as our community enters its inheritance. And we've seen that, haven't we, over the last few years? When God blesses the body, we are blessed as individuals. And the two are completely and utterly linked. And God loves it. And there is real power when we stand and we move together as one. And I firmly believe that that is just one of the reasons that Paul emphasizes the importance and the value of prophecy over the other gifts, because it's corporate. And understanding that we are part of a corporate body is just vital if we're going to move in the things of the kingdom. We just can't do it on our own. There are things we can do on our own, but being part of the body is just hugely, hugely important, and we can't underestimate it. And prophecy is given to instruct us as a body. It doesn't come with a, thus saith the Lord, on the beginning or the end of it. It's, it doesn't, doesn't need any religious trappings. And I think if we think like that, then we kind of misunderstand the point. Simply put, I believe it is speaking 
a timely word from the Lord into a given situation. I think that's what prophecy is. If it's a word from God, it will bear fruit in the hearer and the glory will go to God. That's how we can recognize prophecy. And a, a word of prophecy can change whole environments. It can change atmospheres. And I, I mean, it goes without saying, doesn't it? We are in a season right now where we need prophetic people to bring clarity to all that's happening in the world. We really do. We are absolutely bombarded by stuff on the media, by stuff on the news, by different opinions. Different world leaders have different views on how to, how to deal with the pandemic. We, as the body of Christ on this planet, need to hear from God. And I heard someone actually put it even more black and white than that quite recently. He said that, in actual fact, we're being lied to every day. That's quite a strong statement. But, but I think through, that's true through every form of media we choose to engage with. And it doesn't mean that it's all intentional deception. I'm not saying that. I think maybe a tiny part of it is intentional deception. The stuff that we, that we are told by people who have a pi highly public profile. But most of it is just agenda-driven, and it's not a godly agenda. And so I think that means that because this world is under the influence of, of Satan, it means that circumstances are misread and misrepresented because they come through worldly filters. That's why, as the body of Christ, we need that gift of prophecy to give us the right direction so that we know what God is doing, what is God asking us to do, what is our response as Christians. And that doesn't come through listening to the media. Our response can't come from the news. Yes, we have to come under the guidelines and the legislation and all of that. Of course we do. But there's a bigger picture which we can very easily miss if we don't listen out for what God is saying. I, I wasn't sure whether to say this, but I think I will. I think just look at how the local media and the local council have interpreted all aspects of our planning application. It's agenda-driven, and the prevailing political spirit engenders suspicion. It causes people to, to reinterpret the facts according to their own personal view. And it causes a spirit of offence to rise up. As godly people listening for his prophetic voice, we cannot do that. We cannot allow ourselves to be driven by our own agendas. The thing about it is that this, the spirit of offence can, can counterfeit what looks like a prophetic anointing because it can produce that same sense of burning conviction, a sense that something must be done, but its source isn't the Lord. And that's what we've seen over the last few weeks. We've seen people getting stirred up, not realising that the source of information they were fed was, was flawed in the first place. Does that make sense? And the curses and the accusations come. People who believe what they've read in the Bucks Free Press is true are cursing us constantly. We need the voice of the Lord to cut through all of the stuff that's being spoken 
from the wrong place. People believe in their own righteous conviction without discerning what is true and what isn't. And they make what they believe to be a stand for all the right reasons, but only because they were fed a lie in the first place. We are being called to be so extraordinarily countercultural in every sense. But no more now than when Paul was writing. The problems are different, but the stuff is the same, you know? The, the point is that to, <laughs> whoa, to, to be a godly people, it's vital that we can recognize the voice of the Lord in the prophetic in the midst of all the other voices that surround us so that we hear and obey his instruction and his instruction only because we are bombarded. We are bombarded by all sorts of stuff, all sorts of information, all sorts of stuff that's presented to us as factual, and actually there's a spin on it. We need the clarity from God. There is a mammoth difference between God's voice and the counterfeit, suspicious, agenda-driven declarations from elsewhere. It's interesting, isn't it? Jesus really set the standard because Jesus said... I only say what I hear my father saying. Just think about that for a moment. If there was ever a person on the earth who probably had some good ideas of his own, <laughs> it was Jesus. But he didn't. He chose to rely on hearing what the father said. Boy, so do we. We need to rely on hearing what the father says. And we need to be willing, we need to have really willing hearts to listen to the Lord for his revelation. Even when we've got strong ideas and opinions of our own, we need to know if it's from God. So coming back to this passage, what Paul tells us is that there are, there are different kinds of prophecy. Some bring challenge, some do bring instruction, some strengthen us and encourage us. Some bring words of comfort and consolation. There's all kinds of prophetic words that come. But whatever kind, whatever, whatever's going on, when God speaks, it's always for our benefit. Always. Always, 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 it's for our benefit. I come back to the end of verse 4. He who prophesies edifies the church. It's always good. It's always for our edification. Standing firm in this and in this belief and in obedience to this isn't easy because if there's anything that's mocked by the world right now, it's that, that you and I can hear God's voice. Have you ever said to, some, to, to somebody who, who's not a Christian and who is completely atheist or has some other kind of spirituality going to say, I can hear God, and they look at you like you've really just walked off another planet. It is mocked. But you and I are designed to hear God's voice. We've been, we've been teaching that for years, haven't we? We know we can hear God's voice. Every believer can be prophetic. We're not all prophets, but we can all hear God. We can be prophetic with others in the body, because that's how God designed us. 
And when we walk in the prophetic as a body, as the church, we have, we have access to that wider inheritance that I was talking about earlier. What I mean by that is when one person has breakthrough in their life, then the whole body benefits from that. It's a really beautiful thing. Being part of a corporate body, being part of the body of Christ, is so amazing. It is so beautiful. When one person is blessed, the blessing pours out. That's what I meant when I said when one person walks into their inheritance, the whole body walks because we are one. And as we encourage and equip others, I really believe that God releases his divine favor over all of us. And then that in turn empowers us to make those otherwise impossible changes in our lives. God is calling us to to move forward. God is calling us to live like Jesus. God is calling us to be countercultural. God is calling us to be radical. And it's as we walk in that place together, open to that prophecy, that prophetic voice, that's when that change is facilitated. It's all part and parcel of being a prophetic body and being a prophetic fellowship, which is who we are. I heard somebody describe it as prophecy calling out the gold in us, and I really like that expression. Prophecy calls out the gold in us, the stuff in us that... God has put in us, part of our original design that is so precious and so special. And it's as we allow that to happen that God enables us to live from the place he wants us to. He enables us to live from above and not under the prevailing atmosphere. He enables us to live in that place of radical obedience to him. It's all linked up. It's all, it all comes together. And that is where I'm going to finish because that, I believe, is why Paul encourages us to eagerly desire the gift of prophecy especially. It's because we all benefit together and God builds his kingdom in the process. Amen. <laughs>